You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Okay, as the others are finding their way back in and getting their seats, we're going to make a few announcements this morning. Um, and uh, I want to say this one right up front so I don't forget it, because Pastor Dave will... He'll, he'll be listening to see if I did this or not. But Pastor Dave said to tell you that he loves you and he misses you. It is his fifth wedding anniversary and he and his wife are down at the river uh, enjoying each other today. Uh, so he uh, looks forward to seeing you next Sunday. Um, and then uh, we have a couple of announcements. You know, LifeLight is coming up and we always try to accommodate LifeLight and all of you who want to go out there on that particular day. There is a citywide or, or unified service at LifeLight every year uh, on Sunday mornings. And so to be able to accommodate that and yet still have church for those who want to be in church here or who want to do both, uh, we move our service time up to an earlier time. So on Life Light Sunday, this service will meet here, of course, but at 8 a.m., all right? 8 a.m. we will meet here, and then those who want to will have time to leave here and safely drive out to the Life Light uh, uh, service as well, okay? So please keep that in mind. Life Light Sunday, it is 8 o'clock, all right? The first Sunday of the month generally we will always have a life lunch. Again, accommodating uh, life light. We will have our life lunch the second Sunday of September. All right? So that will be the ninth. That will be the same Sunday that our uh, uh, elementary school students start their classes again. It's the same Sunday that Belief, the middle school group, starts its classes again. Uh, if you want to know more about uh, belief and about the middle school program, you need to talk to Jerry Vanderpaul. Jerry is in the back. Would you raise your hand? Let everybody see you, Jerry. Thank you. Uh, yes, wonderful man. And if you want to know more about the elementary age level and what they will be doing, uh, then you need to talk to Wade Hellison. He will be in charge of that particular group and their teachers. And Wade, will you, uh, he is one of the elders in our church, raised his hand there, uh, talk to Wade, another wonderful man. Yes. Everybody loves Wade. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Life Lunch, that, for those of you who are visitors, every, every month we do a lunch here, we all just bring food and we eat together here in the building, and so you're always welcome to come and be a part of that, and so just so you are informed, uh, so that will be on the 9th. Uh, thank you so much for your continued patience as we are remodeling this building and kind of working through things uh, here through the summer. Uh, as I understand it now, the air conditioning and heating people will be here this week and they will be doing things to get this area uh, set. So uh, there may be some other things going on around the building. So if you're in the building this week, be careful. Be careful as you come and go. Uh, as they are, might be in here working on the building. Uh, we did add some new lights now in the front room where our kids are up there this morning. So we have extra lighting in there now and security lights up there for, for nighttime. Uh, we're going to be putting lights on the outside and cameras and things for security as well. These are things that are coming uh, down the pike here in the next little bit. Um, and so hopefully you can still be patient with us as we continue to make the changes that will help you and help us to better reach our neighborhood and, and share the love of Jesus, okay? All right, let's get into Colossians this morning. Um, I, uh, I'm excited to end this series because I know what else we're going to be doing as we go forward, but it's been a great series. It's been, I think it's one of the longest series that we've ever done in this church, and we've been going through this all through the summer, and we've taken uh, Colossians almost verse by verse as we have gone through here, okay? So if you would just turn in your Bibles, find your Bibles, and turn to the book of Colossians, and turn to chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 7. So we'll give you just a moment to find that. And as you're finding that, I do have one other uh, tidbit of information, one announcement to share with you this morning, okay? And so uh, I believe that, well, there's this thing we do in this church. Sometimes things happen here, and when they do, the people they're happening to have to share them with the church. So I believe this microphone is on. And I believe that we have an announcement that needs to be made this morning. So, sir, would you please stand uh, this morning, and would you greet this congregation of people? Tell them who you are, and uh, then make your announcement, please. Um, my name is John. 
right? And I put a ring on it. <laughs> we celebrate marriages and we celebrate babies. It's a great thing. It's a good life, all right? <laughs> okay, Colossians chapter 4. Now, this morning, we are finishing this, this kind of preaching, teaching of Colossians verse by verse, and we're moving through some of Paul's closing comments here this morning. This is a very foundational epistle here that we've been studying. It's got lots of good stuff in it. It's really been applicable for us, I think, in our day, dealing with syncretism and all the things that are trying to come into the church. This is a very good place for us to, to camp for a while. And today, I hope that we can learn some important principles as we're closing this out. And, and the way we're going to learn them is by examples of others. We're going to look at several people by name. We're going to look at their lives. Now, I warn you, I, I, I put a disclaimer out here right up front. I will butcher these names, all right? I, I intend to. I gave up early on. I quit, all right? I am going to butcher them. I'm not going to say them right, okay? Uh, so just, just handle it, all right? Uh, I, 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 I don't do names very well, um, and I'm from the South, so it's like a double whammy, okay? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to do that, all right? But these were men listed here, and God used them to establish His church, and, and uh, He has used them to, to lay foundation, and through them we saw some just uh, unbelievable growth. And I want you to understand something as we look at this is that we are the branches of this great tree called the church, okay? And these guys that we're talking about today, they're the roots, all right? They're the, they're the historical church. They're the history that we, we dig down into to learn more about the church and about church life and, and about the lives that we are to live. So as we look at their lives historically and we see where they, they were in the, in the history of the, of the church and its growth, uh, we also learn by their example the lives that they lived, all right? And so I want us to see that, that in some sense these, these are the starting points, these are the starting uh, places, starting people uh, of the early church, but the church is still alive. All right, the church is as real today as it was in the book of Acts. The church is as real today as it was to all of these men in the early church who gave their lives for it. And that church that is alive today is you and I. We are the church. And so it continues to live. These men are alive through the life of the church today. I don't mean that in some weird, strange, bizarre kind of way. I'm just simply saying that what they poured in and what they laid as foundation, what they established as truth, it is carried through the years and the generations into the day that you and I are living. Church is much different today. I dare say if these men stood here today and participated in church with, with us, they would be crazy by the time the church service was over because it would be so different than what they were experiencing perhaps in their day. Yet, we are the life of what they laid foundationally. And so the church is going and moving and evolving as it goes forward. And here's what I want you to get from today is that this church today is just as alive it is just as vibrant. It is just as active. It is just as important. It is just as crucial. It is just as necessary. And like it or not, world, the church is what God is going to use to usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so we are vital, we are important, and I want to affirm that in every one of you. Folks, you are the priesthood of believers. You're the body of Christ. God has something for you to do. And I want to challenge you today that you let that be awakened inside of you. You let it come alive and you realize that you are not an insignificant kind of person who is to be set over in the corner on the back row in the church and silently live there in the shadows until Jesus comes. No! You have gifts and callings upon your lives. And our goal is to equip you that's this whole year of Life Church, equipping to serve God faithfully. And so we want to equip you to be everything that you can be, all right? So let's just talk for a moment about the church and, and go forward here. We're, we're connected to it by our life in it, all right? And our connection is in Christ 
but it's also because of Christ, all right? He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the creator. He is the life sustainer of the body throughout every generation. Paul tells us at the beginning of, of the book of Colossians, and we studied this early on, verse 18 of chapter 1. He says about Jesus, He is also head of the body, the church, and He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That is Jesus, all right? And so we absolutely must recognize with this really strong sense in us, this, this profound fact that the body is a living spiritual organism, if you will, and we find our spiritual identity in the one new man. And that is, that is, 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 is God's plan, that is God's way, that is God's design. Paul, Paul taught that to the Ephesians. Let me, let me just reference Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, it says in verse 14, For He Himself, meaning Christ, is our peace. All right? Verse 15, he goes on to say, So that in Himself He might make the two, meaning the Jews and the Gentiles, He might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. Through Jesus Christ, we are brought together. Through Jesus Christ, we are unified. Our unity is in Christ. I want you to understand that. We don't get together just for the sake of getting together. All right? We don't have unity for the sake of unity. If we're only having unity for the sake of unity, unity becomes our idol. It becomes our God. We come into unity understanding that that unity is brought about by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are one in Him. All right? We live out of Jesus. The church lives out of Jesus. Otherwise, we're just another organization. We're just another group that's doing things. Either some kind of social justice issue or, or, or some kind of servant thing or, or we just got our, our, our relationships going and, and we got some social club. Those, that is not the church. The church is alive. It is vibrant. It is a living organism to share the love of Jesus Christ in a lost world. And I want you to begin to see that kind of life inside of you. It, 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 we are. We're the church of the firstborn. And God, second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. My friend, you are here because God has placed you here. I know you chose to come here. I know you even this morning, you woke up and you made a, a, a decision. It's, it was a volitional act on your part. You came in today because you wanted to come to Life Church. Praise the Lord. That's great. That's awesome. But you really didn't. Under the sovereignty of God, you came here. You were placed here by His divine handiwork. All right? He has, he has put you here. He has set you in Place. There's significance to the fact that you are here. It's not a random Sunday morning, all right? People who live random on Sunday mornings go to some place and have an omelet and a mimosa. You came here by the divine hand of God. Like it or not, He's got something to say to you. And He brought you this way so He could speak into your life. And he wants to say something and he wants to use his word and he wants to use leaders in the church to be able to do that. And so, you came on this day when we're wrapping up Colossians. Hallelujah. God has something for you. So let's look at this a little bit. All right? Now, I'm going to ask you to look at this particular passage a certain way. How many of you have been to the theater and you sat down and you watched the movie and you watched it completely to the end and then all of a sudden it's the rolling of the credits and what do you do? You get up and leave. You know, most people don't watch the credits. Most people don't stay for all those names that are listed that are rolling across the screen. It's too bad because a lot of times anymore if you stay for the credits you catch something. Sometimes there's things embedded or, or inserted into the credits. A popular thing are takeouts from the movie, bloopers and things like that. Or there may be something unique that, that a, a, a producer or a director or an editor has an agenda and they, they share something and so it gets talked about. And so then a few people know about it, they're in the, in the know and so they walk in and, and, and I mean they, 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 they kind of focus in and they're looking for it until they find it, all right? But most people leave. 
The people who stay in a theater, uh, the, the gal who lost her cell phone and she's trying you know, to find it, the couple in the top row in the back, don't ever look up when you start to leave a theater. You know, there's somebody they're making out in the back row. You know, it's just ugly. It's just ugly. You know, especially if they're old. You know? But the credits roll, and they roll. And this is kind of what I want you to see here is I don't, want you, I don't want you to read Colossians down to Paul's exhortation for us to pray and make an open door for the gospel and then get up and leave. Well, I don't, I don't know how to say those guys' names, so I'm not even, even going to do that. And, and you miss something that I think is very, very, very significant at the end. So let's look at this, that these are some important things here that, that we can, can glean out of the end of Colossians. And let's try to grab a hold of a few of those things, all right? I believe that, that God has indeed ordained certain details of our roots to be preserved, and, and they have been preserved in the Scriptures, and that we can, can learn from them. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to take this and run with it for a few minutes here and talk to you about it. Let's read beginning at verse 7. I'm going to break it up into a couple of parts here, but let's begin reading at verse 7. I hope you have your... If you don't have a Bible, there's black ones on the rack right in the back, and I'd love for you to turn this morning in your Bible and I'd love for you to read this with me, okay? So just go over and grab a Bible, and, um, and if you need it, if, if you don't have one, take it home with you, all right? We, we would love for you to have a Bible. Um, if you, uh, we would love to encourage you in any way that way, all right? So please take the Bibles. And uh, also, we have storybook Bibles. We believe in storybook Bibles. We think they're just the greatest Bible in the world for children and adults, and so we have those available as well. And if you would like one of those, we will make it available to you as well. It will be no charge to you. We'll be happy to put one in your home, all right? We want a, a storybook Bible in every home. So we have those available. See me after the service, and we will get you one of those. Let's begin with verse 7. Tychius will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. All right, let's learn something from Tychius and Onesimus. All right, when we look at these two brothers, we see two Christians that, number one, they're very faithful and they're very focused. Paul even uh, alludes to this faithfulness right here in the passage, okay? So that, that's a given. These are very faithful men. I would suppose that if two men are carrying a letter from Paul to a church, they would need to be able to be trusted deeply and should be proven already very faithful, all right? They are carrying this letter to the whole church at Colossae. All right? And we're going to see a little further down that it's actually going to go beyond the church at Colossae and it's going to be utilized further out. And even we are utilizing it today. This is a letter that is carried through the generations and through the history of the church. And we see these two faithful men are given the charge by Paul to do this. Now, as we look at Paul and as we study his life, we absolutely are certain that this man would not take any chances with his letters, all right? So we have very, very faithful men. What do we want to draw out of that? We want to draw out this reality that when we prove faithful, God will use us. And we will not be able to see that faith that we have that is, that is moving us the way that God sees it. And I want to challenge you because I don't believe that Tychius and Onesimus actually understood the depth and the breadth of what they were accomplishing by carrying this letter to the church at Colossae. I don't believe that they had any understanding or revelation of much. They may have had some prophetic sense. They, they certainly believed that the church was going to grow. But I, I, I dare say they could not envision people all over the globe worshiping every Sunday morning and reading these letters that they had so faithfully carried on behalf of Paul around to the other churches. And so even though they were stepping out in faith, because you see these are men who are carrying letters of the early church in a time when they would very much likely lose their lives if these letters were found. And so they're stepping out 
in faith, believing that this is God's will, this is God's desire, and they are serving because they understand this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need for it to, to be spread abroad. And so they say yes to what the Apostle Paul entrusts to them. And so by faith they are moving forward, but they're not seeing from the standpoint that, that God sees. They're, they're seeing very limited here. All right? And sometimes we have to act on something that it is not yet seen. And that is, that is our greater measure of faith. It's easy to act on things you see and you understand and you realize. But these men are acting in a time and a situation beyond their circumstances. And they're seeing something out there. And they can't really probably describe it. But yet, it is the, the, the church exploding on the scene. And so, they are obedient. And this is what I want to say to you. I believe that every one of you, you have a job to do in the kingdom of God. You have something that God has entrusted you to do. And here's what I want you to understand. There comes a point in time when you will do it. For some of you, you're sitting on it right now. For some of you, it, it, you haven't yet seen the fullness of it. I think for me, I, I've seen a lot of the fullness. I believe there's something else out there that, that I will be a part of that's bigger than, than myself and bigger than life church along the way. I don't really know what that is, but I just I feel it inside of me. And I don't know how to explain that to you exactly other than to say I think it is, I think it is a prophetic feeling that is inside of me. There's something bigger yet that I must be a part of, that I must help in accomplishing for the kingdom of God. All right? I, I don't know it. I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't draw you a picture of it. I can't give you details of it. I can't describe it to you in words. But I know it's there. All right? I believe that there will be a time for that. I don't know what it is. All right? But I believe that I have, I have come into a lot of what God destined for me. And that is to pastor a church and equip uh, people to, to be sent out and to do ministry in the world. And I want to be faithful to that. I want to stay true to that. I want to be a, a biblical church. I want to be a prophetic church. I want to be a praying church. I want to be a holy church. I want to be a church that's making an impact and making a difference. And at 58 years of age, I'm sort of looking at that last quarter of my life here. And I'm trying to, to see and discern what it is that God will have me to do. But I think for some of you, and it isn't an issue of age even though I, I reference my age, it's not an issue of age, but, but there are times and seasons of God when He has us going and doing, and there are times and seasons when He has us just, just sitting and, and waiting on Him or being equipped or being trained in some way. And, and for some of you, you're, you're there. You're in that place of being camped, if you will, with God for a little season of your life. But there's going to be a moment in time when God says, okay, it's time to pick up the camp and cross the river. And He may do that at several different points in your life. And every one of them will be very, very significant. But here's what I want you to understand. It will require you to act in faith. And it's going to require you to be faithful in the first things, in the little things. But when you prove yourself faithful in that smaller thing, it releases you into the doorway of that larger thing. And so it builds glory upon glory, sort of. And as it builds and as it grows, you continue to do the work that God has called you to do. And there comes a point in time when there maybe is a big work that God calls you to do. And it will have great impact. But even there, I don't think that we see it in the eyes of faith as God sees it. He sees the whole picture. He sees the end already. And it's going to require you to step out. It's going to require you to, to be willing to say yes to whatever God entrusts to you. And I want you to open your ears and your heart spiritually so that you can begin to hear what God is saying to you. So that just like these men that, that Paul references in the closing of Col the book of Colossians, that there is a work for you to do. There is something that God has on the table. It's on the timeline. It's already there. And it's stirring up inside of you. And God wants to awaken that even more and give you the ability to act in faith and make the necessary preparation so that you can fulfill His will and purpose completely. Don't look at it that you're waiting. Alright? Because it's not just waiting, but it's being shaped. It's being formed 
These men are learning as they go. These are men that in all likelihood, uh, many of the men that Paul references, he led them to Jesus. And so he brings them in and he, he teaches them and he mentors them and he trains them. And there weren't, there weren't a lot of people standing in the wings with theological degrees ready to, to birth the new church. And so some today would look at this, this caliber of men and say, mm, no, no, that won't work. That, that won't grow a church. Paul says, no, you don't understand. We don't have time. We're going to do this as we learn. It's on the job training. We're going. You're going to take this letter, guys. You've got to take it over to Colossae. That's a brand new church over there. They just are planting that church over there. They're, they're getting started. There's people coming through there with all kinds of crazy thinking and, 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 and ideologies and theologies and stuff. You've got to get this in them. You've got to get this word to them. Take it. Prove faithful. Just as these men proved faithful. They were ministers and they were fellow servants in the Lord. I love Paul. Everybody, you know, we, we put Paul up here and we say, you know, he was the great one and he was the apostle and, and, and he wrote all the letters and he started the churches and all this kind of stuff. But he was such a humble man in reality. Yes, he had great influence and yes, he, he had great impact and he accomplished much. But at the end of the day, this is the man who saw the value of bringing good people around him and pulling together the body of Christ and saying, we're in this together. We are a community of faith together. And so he says, these are, these are the ministers, these are the fellow servants in the Lord, and I'm sending them to you for the express purpose that you may understand some things. It's amazing in his limitations where Paul was, he was able to still do such amazing things. But he understood the power of using other people and empowering them to be able to do that. I could never win this city on my own. I couldn't win this neighborhood on my own. I probably couldn't win this street out here on my own. And I'm well aware of that. We need each other as the body of Christ to do this. Some of you are going to win this street. I'm praying for one man in particular in our neighborhood. I'm praying for him, and I believe one of you are going to win him to Jesus Christ. I believe he's going to come into this church and sit down, and all of that animosity that he has displayed to me <laughs> is going to melt. And he's going to sit here under the love and the power of Jesus Christ and find joy unspeakable and full of glory. And one of you just might walk down that street and do it. So I want to challenge you to open your heart to this thing of being faithful in this day. All right? I need you around me. I'm actually quite limited. All right? I, I feel a lot like the Apostle Paul did in his in his latter years. I'm the worm, okay? All right? I, I, I'm at that lower end. But some of you... I mean, okay, Pastor Dave's not here today, so I can talk about him. Great man. You know what? Pastor Dave's a way better preacher than I am. Pastor Dave preaches his most amazing sermons. This 27-year-old is sitting under this 58-year-old, but he's preaching like these amazing sermons and doing ministry. And I sit back and I watch him when he counsels people. And, and, and I start to laugh. I have to get up sometimes and move because I start laughing because it's just funny to me because I just see the gift of God being pulled out of him, you know? And I'm thinking, man, look at that. That is so good. We have the most amazing elders in this church, every one of them, every one of them outshines the pastors unbelievably in their giftings and their abilities and their accomplishments. And there's, there's many of you here, you have amazing gifts inside of you. Don't sit on these things, all right? I want to challenge you today. Be faithful. We've got to move on, all right? Be, be faithful, all right? Oh, one other thought about these two guys. They were, they were taking these letters and, and I'm sure that, that 
on the route, they were thinking about, well, what if someone stops us? What if we get caught? What if someone finds these, these letters? What if, what if authorities come uh, and, and, and catch us? We could, we, we'll probably lose our lives. We'll be probably thrown in, thrown in the lion's den or, or burned or, or something like that, you know. Not only were they faithful, but they were sacrificial. They were willing to lay it all down for Jesus, for the kingdom. And that's, that's another thing I really want to challenge us in Life Church. You know, we think that dying is, is you know, a bad rap. <laughs> it's plan B. You know, in Philippians it says to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Being with Jesus is not plan B. And, and I, I, I'm not saying that, that, that we shouldn't wrestle with death and that we shouldn't feel the loss of death and grieve death and those kind of things. I'm not, I'm not in any way diminishing the impact of death. But what I'm saying to you is that we cannot love our own lives more than we love Jesus. And we cannot be self-focused and self-centered and be able to fulfill and act on faith the will of God. And, and I see these men as being very, very much men filled with, with the heart and the compassion to serve God. All right? We have, we have to go forward here. All right? Beginning at verse 10. My fellow prisoner, he sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have proved a comfort to me. Let's stop right there. These, these are Hebrew men. I think it's very interesting that he includes that, that identity of their ethnicity. All right? These are Hebrew men. The other ones are Gentiles. But these are, these are Hebrew men. And I, I think that that's very important for us, us to, to, to look at here, all right? We're all connected as family. This, this idea of being a family, we're all connected. And I, I want you to understand something. That, that God doesn't see Greek or Jew, male or female, those kinds of things. He sees us as the body. And He wants to utilize us, all right? And so I want to encourage you that we become more aware of the diversity that is around us. Because I think there's a lot of people out here. I, I had Pastor Dave drive by Lutheran Social Services this week. We drove by uh, at a particular time. There's a couple of times during the day, if you drive over by Lutheran Social Services, there, there, there's a, a large group of, of people that are exiting out of Lutheran Social Services facilities. Now, they're only about three blocks from us, all right? And, and from there, there is a, a short walk to a bus stop. And you will see, during those two little uh, transitions, you will see uh, anywhere from 30 to 50 people who are as diverse as can possibly be. They're from all over the world, and there's still many of them wearing their, their clothing from their native culture. Uh, some of them don't even speak English and are having to be helped to the bus stop or whatever. But this is an amazing area around us. Now, in this particular passage, Paul is making reference to these men as that they are, they are Hebrews, which I think is wonderful because... You know, I think it was probably very challenging to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a Gentile. I think it was even more difficult to share them with a religious Hebrew. And the Apostle Paul had a deep heart for his own people. And yet, he also understood his calling to the Gentiles. But these are men that not only heard the gospel and the mysteries of Christ and understood and received but gave them their lives completely to serving Paul and helping him establish the church. I think it would have been easy at one point, one point for Paul to say, you know what, it's too hard to work with the Hebrews. What if we, what if we did stuff like that? I know you don't like for me to use you as an example, but I don't have another one right now, and I have to use you, okay? So bear with me. Nathan came to me one day and said, you know, we're thinking about coming to Life Church. Is there a place for us in Life Church? I, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, but that's pretty, pretty accurate, isn't it? Is there, place, is there a place for us in Life Church? 
Now, I could have said in the back of my mind, doggone, he's really smart. He's a theologian, you know. He's got a PhD it's from across the pond. That's even smarter, you know. <laughs> I could have been very, very intimidated. You know, he's theological. I'm missional. He's superior. I'm average. I'm not going to say the other things I was going to say. <laughs> but I could say, we can't work together. We're, we're, we're too different. I didn't say that. I think I said something quite different from that. Nathan, our church is so missional. It was sort of like a warning. You know, it's like the dis- disclosure. Nathan, <laughs> we are very missional. But we need good theology. See, the prophets need the teachers. And the teachers need the prophets. The pastors need the evangelist. And the evangelists need the pastors. And all of us need the missionaries. The missionaries need the intercessors. And the intercessors need the tithers. (laughs) We all do this together. There's no one that should be put on the outside for any reason whatsoever. I, was, I wanted Nathan to join me and work beside me in this church because I saw the value of what he would bring to the table, something that I didn't have on my plate. And so we need to, we need to bring all those tools and all those gifts And as we bring them together, we let God sort all of that out as to how He wants to use that, all right? This little stalk, head of wheat, as Nathan pointed out earlier, it has a number of these little grains in it, all right? Any one grain is wonderful, and any one grain can be planted and produce more wheat. But many of these together can feed the multitudes. Many of these together, this harvest will be sent around the world. And it works the same way with the body of Christ. When we look beyond ourselves and we see ourselves as a part of something bigger, we will begin to be more effective in what we're doing as the community. I know, we would all love messages about, you know, the community and and. and, and being together and, and having little groups and, and, you know, loving on each other. Oh, that's great. But I will never let you stay there very long. Get your hug and get on up. <laughs> All right? Jesus didn't cuddle people. He empowered people. Amen. And He challenged them to be sent out. And then He raised up a group of men around Him a motley crew, if you will. And he empowered them and said, now you go and do it. And they built the church that you are a part of today. And some of them are the men that are listed here in this particular passage. You've got to keep it in mind, folks, because it's God's church. We're all servants and we're all ministers. I, I, I want to I look at Mark for just a minute here the cousin of Barnabas. There's something else to glean out of this passage that I think is very, very important for us. It has to do with Mark, and it's the principle of forgiveness and reconciliation, grace. It's the idea of focusing on the bigger picture. You see, we've already seen this in in Paul's urgings when he urged uh, Philemon to to welcome a runaway slave, a, a, a new brother, if you will, which was Onesimus who is going to Colossae now to bring the, 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 the letters of Paul. You know? But this is Barnabas' cousin, Mark. And, and he makes a point to say here, you've received some instructions about him already. We've already talked to you about him. And then he says, if he comes to you, welcome him, in verse 10. I think it's important to consider uh, Mark 
you know, this Mark was likely the son of a very wealthy Christian woman who lived in Jerusalem. Um, it, it, was, it was at Mark's mom's house that Peter showed up at the door after being miraculously released from prison by an angel. Uh, he's also, as it says, you know, the, the, as I said, the cousin of Barnabas. And, and Paul is making this reference here uh, to Mark, and he, and he takes us back, if you will, if, if you will think, if you will, will just kind of put it all together here a little bit, uh, to, to a missionary journey that is talked about in Acts chapter 13. And uh, Paul and Barnabas are together, and, and, and so they took Barnabas' cousin, which is Mark, all right, with them. You see that in Acts 12. And, and there's, there's something that happens along the way. Mark gets, gets kind of like uh, restless and decides that he's not going to do this anymore, all right? He, he, so he, 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 some speculate he, he was, you know, from a wealthy family, and so maybe he liked the comforts of home more, and so this was hard, and so he was going to go back, you know. And so there was, there was a, a, a lot that happened along the way, but... Uh, at the end of the story of all of this, the, the summation of this is that, that Paul says, can't take Mark along. Can't, Mark can't go with me. He's, he's not reputable in some sense. He, he's not dependable in, in some sense, all right? And, and so, so, it seems here that along the way, something happened. And so, Paul here in this passage, he's not, he's, not, he's not putting Mark in with these other guys. He speaks of these other guys as being faithful. And, and then he mentions Mark here. And it seems that there's some uncertainty. He says of him, if he comes to you, you welcome him. It seems almost as though he's thinking he might not make it. All right? Now, here's what I want you to understand. And I won't, I won't go into all the scriptures here, but here's what happened. This young man, Mark, has, has sort of a change of heart and he doesn't want to stay on the missions trip. And so Paul decides he's, he's not dependable. And so when they part ways and Barnabas, those guys, they want, to, they want to take Mark along and Paul says no. Then Paul goes his way. They go their way. But if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes there, and he, and he, and he makes a, a, an amazing disclosure. He says, only Luke is with me, verse 11. And then this is what he says. He says, would you pick up Mark and bring him with you? Because he is useful to me for service. It, it went from no. To just before Paul is crucified, himself, or killed, um, it, it says, you bring Mark along with you. He is useful to me. In this thing of community and doing life together and building the kingdom of God, we have no right, place, authority, or privilege to discard anyone. Please understand that. And there are going to be people who you're going to work with in the body of Christ and they are going to disappoint you. And they're, they're going to hurt you. They're going to offend you. They're going to think different than you, have a different idea about how things should be done than you, have a different vision than you. All kinds of things are going to go on in the body of Christ. But I want you to understand something. There's not one person that's not useful. Not one. Not one. Not one. Now, some may not have it together like some others do. And some may not be as dependable as some others are. But they're not useless. 
Some aren't going to do things the way you would do them. It's all right. God has use of every vessel. And I want to challenge you and I that we begin to live out of love and understanding and forgiveness for one another. That grace abounds among us. And that we are able to, to forgive one another and give way to one another, even defer one another, and in essence, bless one another. If Mark comes to you, you receive him, he says. All right? Not only receive him, welcome him. Welcome him. I want you and I to get beyond that place of, and we all do this to some degree. We size each other up, don't we? We just size each other up all the time. Epaphras. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, verse 12, and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and these other places. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Let me hit on a few quick things here and then we'll be done, all right? Because this is lasting a long time. The work of Epaphras was one of wrestling and prayer. Paul, Paul uses a word here that really does mean that in the Greek. It really means this, this travailing and this wrestling for others. And I want to ask you a question, and we're going to move on, but I, this, is a, this is introspectively answer this question. How many of you are giving time to wrestling and prayer for others in the body of Christ? How many of you are really taking the time to pray for others in the body and giving yourself to doing that? I want to challenge us to spend more time praying for one another. I challenged you last week about praying for leaders and praying for, for the gospel to go out and an open door for the gospel. I want you praying for one another so much because I realize the importance of this in my own life. It's very, very important that we are praying the heart of God for one another. When's the last time you asked another brother or sister, how can I pray for you? And then became diligent in that. All right? One thing about Luke and Demas... Luke is the doctor. Demas is with him. Paul says, you know, good things about them both. He continues to talk about Luke, and Luke, of course, writes in the New Testament himself. But there's a passage where Paul writes about Demas later on. And he says this, Demas is no longer with me because he has forsaken this for the cares of the world. I want to challenge you and I today as well that we learn from Demas. If we're living lives that are centered around ourselves and focused on the world, we're living in a dangerous place. I want to challenge you to live out of being focused on Jesus as these earlier gentlemen mentioned. I want you to really, really, really search your heart. As we go forward, I want us to really, really Ask God to circumcise our hearts as a body of believers so that we are totally committed to this work that God has called us to. Sad, Demas is no longer with us. I don't want us to be able to say that about anybody in Life Church ever. And we've had to. That is a testimony of the past, but let's let it not be a testimony of the future. And then one other thing I'd like to share as we close here. After this letter has been read, verse 16, to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. And then Paul talks about praying for him and Archippus. As we close, whatever God is doing in the earth today, it is not just for you. All right? 
We don't hold on to anything in here. We have to believe that what God is doing here, He wants to spread abroad. And there are people, groups, that have not heard this word, and they need to hear it. And a lot of times in the past, we've done some cushy outreaches. Nothing wrong with them, but they have been kind of cushy, a lot of them. I led most of them, probably. Pastor Daniel, he'd take you into dark places. I took you where there's good food. (laughs) I want to challenge us that our focus is on those darkest countries, those darkest places, and that we sort of reignite that passion for reaching out into the world. All right? Hopefully before next week even, when you come in here next Sunday, there's going to be flags hanging from the walls around this church of various countries. Several countries in particular that we want to focus on. What I want you to do is I want you to look at those when you come in. They won't be up all the time, but we're going to have them up next Sunday. And I want you to focus on God. Not on the flag, but on God. But I want you to ask God to reignite in your heart a desire for the world to be saved. And let's take these letters to those places where they've not been. Because there are still people who need to read them. Stand with me. I hope you got something from this today. Yes, Tony. And that's why we're all here. I so much love Jesus. Don't you? Let's talk to him for just a moment. Thank you for being patient and staying with me through a lengthy sermon today. Let me pray for you, please. God, we humble our hearts before you and we understand that this is something that we must be a part of. This is not something that we can take lightly. Would you reignite in us a passion, God? Would you revisit us? Would you reestablish your throne, Jesus, on our hearts? Would you make yourself Lord over our lives? Would you help us to lay down our own lives today that we may allow you to live through us? Would you fill us with your spirit and your power today? God, would you take these gifts that you have imparted to each and every one of us and by faith today let them be stirred up in us? Would you open our eyes to a lost and dying world? Would you give us the heart and the ability and the resources and the energy and the strength necessary to go wherever you might call us to go? Would you help us to be obedient, to walk in the path that you have given to us, knowing full well that our steps are ordered of the Lord? Would you begin to do amazing things among us that your name might be exalted, that you might be lifted up and glorified among the nations of this earth, for you get all the glory, all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. Pastor David, I love being your pastors. Have a great week.